Success stories and interviews with game changers and thought leaders who have overcome both in life and in business. Welcome to Vertical Momentum. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Vertical Momentum. I'm your host, Richard Kaufman, also known as the Comeback Coach. Guys, I just want to say thank you for hopping on again. This is going to be an amazing episode. We're going to be talking about SEO and marketing. But first, I want to thank our sponsors, which you know our sponsors are 100% veterans, 100% of the time. And I'm drinking a pre-workout by our friend Jason Lane Curtis of Bonvera. Physics Zero keeps me going, doing five, six interviews a day. Love it. Jared, my brother, what's going on? What's up, man? I'm excited oh. to be here. Oh, bro, man. I've been waiting so long to have you on. How's your day going? Man, I just take it one day at a time. So, you know, I'm just glad I woke up today. Yeah, but you're like a pro- prolific author now. I mean, you got a lot going on, right? I do have a lot going on. Yeah. I don't know about prolific, but yeah, I'm uh, published. And you got a couple of different books going, right? Uh, yeah, I've got three out there on Amazon. And how's that going for you? Um, it, Not too bad. I mean... I have put absolutely zero effort into marketing my own books. So it's one of those things where uh, just the ability for me to be able to produce this has provided me so much, um, you know, internal satisfaction that I'm just kind of letting it take its own course. I love it. And I picked up a couple and I, and I thoroughly enjoy them, but I find myself reading them more than once. So we're going to hopefully you, Later, you'll send me the link so I can actually put it in the liner notes. So tell us a little bit about where you're from and what kind of kid were you? Were you kind of rambunctious? Were you, were you a wild child? Yeah, so uh, I was born in Arkansas, but we moved to North Carolina when I was one. And, you know, I, I had a, a confusing childhood, to say the least, you know, Um my, my mother passed away in 95, and at that time, I was in second grade. Uh, so up until that point, everything was kind of lively and thriving and whatnot. Lots of hope for the future type stuff. Uh, and then, you know, once that happened, that kind of, it changed a lot for us, you know. Um, but all in all, I still grew up, you know, through the 90s. So that was a time when I could hop on my bicycle, ride around the entire neighborhood, and you know, play with any kid in the neighborhood. You know, I knew the names of all of my neighbors, that type of um, atmosphere. So uh, even though we had to deal with uh, that tragedy, uh, it was still a pretty good time. Now, were you an athlete? Were you uh, good in school? Yeah, so uh, in school, I was always good at uh, math and science stuff. And, um, you know, at I actually used to read with my mother. And so after she passed, I pretty much rejected all things English. Uh, so uh, I rejected reading and subsequently, you know, writing is tied to that. So I rejected that as well, uh, which is kind of strange because now I'm a published author. Uh, and then for, for sports, uh, I did play some team sports. Uh, you know, when I was in, Elementary school, I played baseball and basketball. Uh, in high school, I did football. And then um, in 99, when Tony Hawk landed the 900, uh, I set out to be a, a skateboarder as well. So kind of mixing that in through everything else. So how was high school? What, what kind of kid were you during high school? Uh, I mean, I was, I was like the, the – rocker kid who happened to play football um <laughs> you know i'd i'd bring my guitar to school with the amplifier you know just because i wanted to hear myself play <laughs> uh, which is probably not something i would ever recommend but you know that's kind of how i was i was all about the music and skateboarding and football and um you know i was also in chorus as well so just kind of recycling that Day now, by day, I'm the world's okayest guitar player. So, what, what, who were your influences? Who did you like? What music did you like? Uh, really, just anything rock. Um, you know, my my mother, she was a uh, pretty big into country, and so I kind of leaned away. 
song I learned to play was Kryptonite right after that came out. Oh, and a great, great song, too. Great song. Uh, definitely. And and so I kind of fell off the deep end, um, going deep and wide, because at the time, uh, MTV2 had the Headbangers Ball. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so I would, you know, slide out to the metal side and then swing back down the other spectrum for, like, the grunge and the punk stuff. And so okay. just kind of everything in between was really my, my cup of tea. So now what made you want to decide, okay, you know, here I am, long hair, you know, a rocker kind of guy. Let me join the military. What was that thought process? Yeah, so – you know, I was uh, 19. I was living with my my stepsister's baby daddy, <laughs> which is kind of weird. Uh, but we were living together, and, you know, at the time, SOCOM 3 was out on PlayStation. So I was playing that and smoking weed a lot. <laughs> and, you know, I just got a wild hair up my ass. I was like, you know, I could do this, right? Uh, and then one day... Uh, I realized that I am not the mathematician I used to be because at one point in time I could do algebra two in my head, you know, and I had apparently smoked so much weed that I could not add and subtract simple things like single digit numbers. And that was kind of an awakening for me. Um, So with me having a lot of younger siblings, I decided to set the bar high and with me, playing SOCOM 3 all the time, I was like, yeah, I can do this. So I actually went to the Navy office to, to join to be a SEAL. And they weren't there. Um, and the Marines were next door. My dad's like, yeah, why don't you go ask them Marine boys where the Navy cats are at? So I did. And, uh, you know, they got me. But so what was their reaction when you first walked into the door? To the Marine recruiter's office? Yeah. Uh, well, when I first walked in, I asked them where the Navy guys are at. So there's no telling what they were thinking. Uh, but they were like, you know, they'll be back soon. Why don't you sit down? Let's have a chat. I'm like, all right, cool. You know, 30 minutes later, I'm signing the paper away, you know. So what was that like going to basic training? Did you go to – were you in South Carolina? Yeah, so I went to Paris Island. And they had me in the debt program for a long time. Because all the high school kids, um, you know, I signed up in May, so all the high school kids got to go first. And, you know, it was it was strange because I actually wrote a song in between the time when I signed up and the time when I went to basic, to boot camp. And uh, the details of that song were quite profound and very accurate, even though I had done no research. Um, you know, talking about the types of experiences of, you know, like IEDs and tracking down the enemy and, you know, carrying an M16 and an M9 and stuff like that. Uh, it's kind of weird for me to know all those details without actually knowing. And so that kind of put me into a headspace of, holy fuck, uh, this is going to be bad. And, you know, I, I survived it. So, <laughs> I'm, can't couldn't have been that bad, I guess. Now, did you easily take to the military? I did. Um, you know when, you know. So on the Marine side, you know, you go through boot camp, and then you go through uh, your combat training and your MOS school. And I gotta say, man, I really, really loved the training. Right? We did some some obstacle courses where we're, you know, basically you get in that mind mindset of like you're in war this is the way you do things and you know i emerged as a natural leader throughout that training evolution and i really enjoyed it um and i really liked uh marines have a very nice uh, mantra in garrison which you know non-combat areas um in garrison you know they seek to be perfect you know, the way that they present themselves in their uniform, uh, the way that even everything down to like how you salute, how you walk, how you talk, all of that. And, and I took to that quite well. You know, I, I needed structure in life and they provided. So uh, I I loved every bit of it. Now, how many years did you do? 
four, um, 2010 was when I was slated to get out. And then FY09 is when they started that drawdown. Yep. And uh, the Marine Corps implemented boat spaces. And so when I went to re-enlist, you know, the boat was full. So I looked at switching my MOS to be an AAV crewman. And so I had to go do uh, swim qual. And so I went and did that, came back. Okay, here's my updated packet. And that had closed out. And the only thing left was being a gun bunny. So then I had to go to the rifle range and redo that to then apply. And when I came back with my packet, everything was closed out. So kind of got forced out, you know, amicably. <laughs> yep. But now, I, like our friend Sergeant Nick says, you know, when you, as soon as you step off the base, the phone stops ringing. Um, relationships pretty much, you stop hearing from people. And a lot of guys and girls, you know, they don't have a mission anymore. So what was your transitioning like out? Oh, man. Um, so two months after I got out, I was living at the homeless shelter. Uh, I was there for four months. Uh, I lived in my car for a couple months on top of that. Uh, and I ended up renting a room in my buddy's distant relative's house. Um, and it was a slow buildup for me to go from, you know, active duty Marine with all of these skills, you know, and, and I was in supply and I was really good at supply. So I had built up a lot of skills that were very transferable and, you know, it kind of, didn't go out, didn't go the way I planned, you know, like I applied at a family video store and the only thing I put on my application was Marine Corps. And when I called for a follow-up, they looked at my application was like, yeah, no, we're not interested. And I was like, what, what are you talking about? You're dealing with inventory. It's, it's a movie store. It's not rocket science, right? I could do that in my sleep. No problem. Uh, but you know, not everybody is as, welcoming uh to to veterans and so i found that to be quite quite difficult so ended up going all the way down to homelessness you know i I didn't actually have to live on the streets per se because i had a car that i was living in but um you know i ended up getting a, a decent job and you know that led to the next job and it led to the next job which kind of set me on the path of where i am today so um, in 2012, now you said you hated reading, but you were self-educated. So talk to us about, you know, because sometimes people think, you know, I got I got to go to colleges. I got to go do this and do that. Uh-huh. But don't realize sometimes you just have to hold up with, a, with, with books and actually put your nose to the grindstone. So talk to us about the, having to do that. Yeah, so uh, I was overseas in Japan as a government contractor and you know I realized you know actually I tried to give my GI Bill to my kids and they denied me for that because I didn't have enough time and service and I didn't do it prior to me getting out so it's one of those use or lose type of moments and so uh, I decided to go to school and I went and I took the test for math and English and all that and initially they put me in remedial math and English and that was hard to take, you know, for me going from previous, you know, I, I could have easily been a, a mathematician or a scientist had I chosen a different course. Uh, and now I'm taking, you know, remedial courses. Uh, but through that, uh, my remedial English courses, you know, solidified my ability to recognize patterns and ways that you phrase things and, and how you put the sentences together and whatnot. And so that really helped me in that regard. And then further on, I got into the actual writing and English classes. You know, you definitely have to write a lot. And I found myself writing a lot easier. It, it came a lot more naturally to me than I anticipated. And so uh, a few years later, it wasn't actually until you released your book 
that I actually decided to write my own. And so wow. that's, that's, yeah, because you put your book out there, the one, um, I believe it's called the hero's journey yep. where you went through your life lessons and expounded on those lessons. I did the same thing, uh, but from a business experience perspective. Awesome. Now, you know, a lot of people, you know, we've been in the tribe together. I don't know. I guess I've been there fi- almost five years. You've been there a long time. Uh, and it yeah. seems like a lot of people that get out of the military, they want to start a T-shirt company, a hat company, coffee or liquor. And then six months later, they find out they're $10,000 in debt and don't know what the hell just happened. So what do you think are some of the problems that veterans have when they get out of the military and they want to start a business? Well, I mean, right out the gate, they think it's going to be easy. That's that's for sure. Why do you think there's so many apparel and coffee companies? You know, because... Everyone thinks, oh, I can do that. And for some of them, that's true. You know, it's it's not completely rocket science to be able to go out there and, you know, build a brand and turn that into a profitable, bu- profitable business. But not everybody's built for entrepreneurship. Everyone thinks that if you build it, they will come. And that's not reality, right? We're not talking about uh, a hotel in downtown Miami. We're talking about a t-shirt company run out of your house, right? There's a big distinction between the two. And a lot of people are not prepared for reality whenever they encounter those crossroads. Uh, you know, and like my, you know, our friend, Stephen, Stephen Eugene Kuhn uh, talks about, and, and so does Robert Garcia. Um, if you don't have a business plan, you don't have a business, you have a hobby. And so sometimes I, one thing I think about the military, it, we know how to go with SOPs, but when we get, when we start, try to start our own businesses, we totally forget about SOPs. What yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things when, if that structure is not there, then you're just going to kind of wing it. Um, and I, I came across the same thing, you know, there was no SOP for me trying to run my first business. You know, I could have probably looked at books and, and magazines and resources that were out there, but I had no idea where to look. And quite frankly, I had no intent to learn and to build myself up, you know, that professional and personal development. I had no sense of reality for that when I first started my business because I just thought at the time that what I'm doing is amazing. And because I love it, other people will love it. And that's not the case. So what is your business? What do you do? Tell us what you do. Yeah. So um, full disclosure, I'm on business number seven. Uh, (laughs) uh, So my company is called Carbon Digital and we specialize in web development and SEO and we consult on strategies to help you grow your business you know we find creative solutions to the problems that you have and help you not only understand what the problem is but help you see the solution for yourself awesome now i got a lot of questions about that now i just released an episode with our friend patrick burt about Mm -hmm. it's amazing how um, people when they start a company they just think i'm going to throw a I'm going to pay for ads on Facebook and I'm going to boost posts and I'm going to make a lot of money. And then they hear crickets. So talk to us about, you know, some of the things that you're not supposed to do when you first start a business. Yeah. I mean, you know, boosting a post on Facebook is definitely one of those examples um, because you can actually take a Facebook post and you can use that Facebook post in an ad which is the most strategic way to go about it because you actually have long-term visibility of that post because if you just run an ad, then that post is not there. But if you post it and then run an ad, then you have the post statistics, you have the ad statistics, and then it's still there after you turn off the ad. Uh, Quite frankly, though, a lot of people just miss the mark. In the very beginning, you know, um, 
last year I did, you know, a couple hundred hours of phone calls with people trying to help and I developed a framework. And the first step is to validate the branding, right? With branding, you definitely want to cover your um, brand awareness, letting people know that you're here and then convert that into brand recognition to get them to recognize your image and your logos and your branding, get them to recognize you and, you know, pull you out of a crowd, right? Think of it as a lineup, you know, will they notice you in that lineup? And so branding really helps with that. And it's actually the most important piece because it has a lot of downstream effects. Um, I'm not sure if you know, I've been promoting story brand a lot for the past couple of years and it's because it's a big deal because when you solidify your message, you can then leverage that message against everything else for your business. All right. Let's go a little, let's go a little bit deeper on that. Yeah. What is story brand? Sure. So um, Donald Miller wrote a book called building a story brand. So story brand is an actual framework for creating the perfect brand message in story format. Uh, And Star Wars has been the best example of this. And basically it's about getting you to understand where you fit into the pipeline of a customer's journey, right? Uh, A lot of people will actually present themselves as the hero to the story, right? Look at me, look at what I've done and look at what I can do for you. A lot of people will promote themselves like that, but that's actually the wrong approach because you're not the hero in the story. You're a guide. You're the one that helps the hero and when people come to your website, when people look at your marketing, when they go to your Facebook page and other social media, they have a problem and they're looking for a solution, but they're the hero in the story and they come to you looking for answers. And that's where you come in as the guide to give them those answers, those solutions. And so you have to be Yoda for your customers not Luke Skywalker. You know, and I, I, I really love that. And like, you know, I, we didn't start growing until we hired somebody. We hired Kennedy page to do our logos. We hired William Matry to, to do our, our branding. Um, mm-hmm. And I, you know, and I did a post last couple of weeks ago called you don't know what you don't know. So hire somebody that does know. And it seems like a lot of people are afraid to hire somebody to do the work that that they don't know. Like I never knew that certain colors create certain emotions. Yeah. It's a big deal. And like you said, you know, you are your brand and your brand has to be, you know, the way it is on Facebook, it's got to be on Instagram. The way it's on Instagram has got to be on Twitter. So exactly. And there's an article that was published on the business insider that, Uh, 10,000 millionaires were interviewed, and one of the top five things that led to their success was consistency. And so once you define that message and you apply that message to all aspects of your brand, you have reached brand consistency. And that's a huge, powerful impact that you can have on downstream effects of your business. And, you know, and I totally agree. And, you know, and I believe that, you know, you are your brand. Like, say, for instance, I'm a big sports guy. If I turned on ESPN one night and Michael Jordan's standing there in an Adidas jumpsuit and Adidas sneakers, I think people would lose their mind. Because, oh, of course. You know, he's known as he is the face of Nike. So talk to us about being the face of your brand. Yeah, and and this is actually something I've had to overcome as well because I've branded my company as an agency intentionally because even though I have a lot of skills and a photographic memory and I can do a lot of crazy things, 
I have strayed away from trying to be my brand. And the reality is, is that that's never going to happen no matter how much I want it to be that way. And so whenever you are out there in, you know, public doing meetup events, doing a speaking event, whenever you're on social media, communicating with other people, the same values that embolden your brand should be the same values that you present to your, to your audience, to the people you connect with, to the relationships with people you have. And that's another layer of consistency. And when people like what you stand for, when people like who you are, they will connect you with your brand and they will trust your brand. And it's, crazy to say but it's all connected well you know and you know like my friend gary vaynerchuk says you know that um social media you will eventually be found out if you're not being real and you're you know if you're one way when the cameras are rolling and you're one way and the other way when cameras are off you're eventually going to get found out oh yeah so talk to us about being real and building real relationships yeah, I mean, that's the best way to put it, really, because people don't like fake. They don't – well, unless you're talking like faux fur, you know. <laughs> people don't like fake people, right? There's a big push online and through social media to get rid of all these these quote-unquote gurus, you know, people posting pictures with the Lamborghini in front of a big mansion that they don't own. Sometimes it's really hard. You're kind of cutting out on me. You there? Yeah, you cut out on me. All right, brother. So what we're talking about is building real relationships and being real on social media. So go ahead. Sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I lost my train of thought. That's all we were just talking about. You know, there's some people on social. They're one way when the cameras are on. And then when the cameras yeah. are off, they're totally different. So talk to us about being real. Yeah, so honestly, I just try to present myself the same way to everyone right uh if you ever look at the videos i put out on youtube or any of the podcast episodes i've done for myself you'll notice that you know i don't put on fancy clothes i don't even shave and i've got a gnarly beard going on you know i don't really care about my background and i don't edit my videos and part of that is because I don't have time to deal with all that crap. And the other part is because it's real, it's raw, it's unedited. And what I found is that people embrace that a lot more, especially in a world where you can easily edit anything. Being raw and real tends to stick out a lot more. Well, you know, I'm I'm all about that because I'm the same goofy guy you're going to see on camera as you'll see off camera. And like when yeah. we had the military influencers conference, I went up and gave Stephen and Lane a big hug, and I don't think they were expecting it. But you know, I said I told them ahead of time. Listen, everybody's getting hugs. That's the way that I am. But um, you know, a lot of people when you're being real. They're, they put their they let their guard down because they know they're, you're not trying to take advantage of them. 
and 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 I think that's one thing I love about um, Robert Garcia's groups is uh-huh. that he's another dude that's real and he gets raw sometimes, especially when he had a few a couple few white claws. You know? <laughs> yeah. So Definitely. talk to us about business. You know, talk to us about you know because it seems like SEO is changing on a daily basis. So what's new in SEO? What's going on? And where do you see business heading? Yeah, so it's not that it changes on a daily basis, but it does it does change quite frequently. And the reason that it changes is because you have you know new software emerging that helps you do X, Y, and Z. You have Google constantly trying to update their algorithms to present a better experience for customers, which is people using their search engine. And so because they're constantly trying to improve that, there are regular updates. And the one thing that I've found, I guess I would say two things. There's two things that I've found that basically have never changed. The first one is the technical side of SEO, right? Uh, That's going to be, you know, stuff like your meta tags, which, you know, when you post your link on, on Facebook, it, it pops up with a little picture and your, you know, your company name and whatnot, you know, being able to modify and control that technical data um, is a big piece of it. And if you don't input the bare minimum requirements for the technical side, then Google's not even going to pay attention to you. The other side of things is people, especially in the SEO industry, there's a lot of people that are doing things that are, we'll say questionable, questionable or just downright, you know, stuff you don't want to do. And so uh, I personally practice white hack techniques only, which means, you know, Google says do X, Y, and Z, and that's what I do. And the reason for that is because the other stuff can work short term. And once Google figures out what you're doing, and they're going to, it's just a matter of time. Once they figure out what you're doing, you're going to lose all of that hard work. And so the second thing that I've found to be the most impactful is to focus a user's search intent, right? What are people searching for? Why are they searching for it? And in a lot of instances, this comes down to a very simple and effective ideology, questions and answers. And if you can structure your content of your website and the content of your social media to address to provide answers for questions, then you're always going to be providing value and you're always going to be having visibility within the SEO atmosphere. Now, to actually get on page one of Google for specific search keywords and whatnot, that still takes a lot of work. But to make sure that your content is the best possible version of content that it could be focus on questions and answers right what are people asking for and what's the answer to their question and you know and that was something that i had to learn you know i in, in like i said i've been taking a deep dive into seo trying to learn but so you know some of the things is it comes down to simplicity but sometimes like i said you don't know what you don't know so hire somebody that, that does know you know, right. like, like talk to us about, you know, like I found like when I first started doing social media, I would post one thing from Facebook and I would just copy and paste it on every other platform and realize it got nowhere because, um, you know, you try to have to do a little bit more native content. So talk to us about doing native content instead of just a copy and paste everywhere and getting nothing. Yeah, so there are ways that you can repurpose content across multiple mediums, but if you're posting the same exact thing everywhere, then it's probably not going to be working everywhere. And the reason for that is because different platforms 
generally have different types of people. If you look at, um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, just those three, right? There's another hundred other social media platforms, but just those three. I'll add Pinterest as well. Those four. Something you post on Facebook is probably going to be geared towards people that are 30 or over. Something you put on Pinterest is probably going to be geared towards uh, people in the boutique creative space, you know, the, the DIY crowd, you know, uh, possibly even like women looking for their next great outfit or, you know, mothers and fathers looking for creative ideas for, well, probably not fathers, but, you know, mothers looking for creative ways to reduce friction in the home. And that's going to be probably Pinterest, right? Uh, and then you look at Instagram and that's kind of a smattering across the board. So depending on what your brand could be or depending on what your brand is, you could kind of go left or right with that, but it's still going to be driven off the same type of content. Uh, and then you have Twitter, which is predominantly a younger generation. So whenever you're looking at the demographics of people on these varied platforms, you have to present content that speaks to them in their language. You have to be where your customers are and you have to speak to your customers at their level. And so that's why you have to rewrite basically content across the board for all different mediums. And it's not something that's hard to do. It's just time consuming, which is why people don't do it. So, you know, like my friend, you know, like Gary talks about in the two biggest platforms in 2000 this year is either going to be clubhouse, which I'm starting to see a decline, but in TikTok, which I'm mm-hmm. uptick. So yeah. what are your thoughts on what, what you see in the next year or two as upcoming platforms? You know, it's hard to say, you know, because a lot of platforms come and go. I remember, you know, 10 years ago, Tumblr was a big deal, right? Um, when Snapchat came out, it was a big deal. And now, you know, their market share is exponentially lower than where it used to be. So it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see where things fall over the next few years. But one thing that is not going to go away is a person's attention span. Over the past 40 years, the attention span of people has gotten shorter and shorter. And since the emergence of social media, people have been more driven to video content than any other types of content. So what we're really going to be seeing is, you know, more competitors for TikTok like uh, social media platforms because people are driven to video. They're also driven to imagery, but video is more profound in terms of traffic driving um, content. People want to see videos. So then what do you say to somebody that's coming out and be like, wait a minute, they're coming out. There's like a, a million videos coming out a day on YouTube. I can't compete with these videos. And then they don't even try. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, realistically, this is not just for a platform. This is for any industry. If it's day one for you, you should not be competing with mainstream brands, right? If I want to open up a burger shack, I should not be competing with McDonald's. And the reason for that is because part of it is that you're at day one and they're at year 50 plus, Right? They've already built their brand awareness recognition. They already have their customer base. They already know what people want. They have an R&D team. They're in countries across the world, and you're just one guy starting a burger shop. right? And so we've actually experienced this quite a lot uh, in the digital space that I'm in as well because we have a lot of people from overseas like uh, – you know. Pakistan, India, 
the Philippines, Vietnam, uh, Singapore, all of these countries in this area of the world are doing the same type of work that I'm doing at cheaper rates. So now I can't compete on price. I have to compete on value. And so it's going to be the same thing with that burger shop, right? He's going to have to figure out his marketing to determine what do people resonate with, right? Do they want a cheap burger because that's going to be McDonald's or do they want, you know, a family experience of the American dining, blah, blah, blah. Cause that's going to be like red Robin. Right. And so once you dis- distinguish what you're going to be and where you're going to sit, that's the space that you want to crawl into. So talk to us. Cause I love the way you talk about there's a difference between price and value. You know, sure. Somebody can hire somebody on Fiverr, for 30 bucks, but you're going to get $30 worth. You're going to get what you pay for 30 bucks. So talk to us about price versus value. Right. So typically the, the, a lot of objections that I actually get are on price. And that's either because they don't know what the work should cost or they have that poverty mindset or they're broke and not willing to take the risk. That's kind of the three factors uh, affecting uh, people that I've encountered when price is the objection. And quite frankly, it's, it's a lot of things that have to be done to, to navigate through those objections, right? Um, I was talking with uh, Joe Nicasio. I'm not sure if you know him. He's over in, uh, the success group with Rob Garcia. I was talking with him. Yeah. I was talking with him the other day and we were talking about uh, providing guarantees and how that guarantee of X, Y, Z further builds and instills trust. And that trust is what gets people to open up their wallets. That's why when you go to uh, an e-commerce website, they'll have, you know, a little icon there saying trust source or trust factor or, you know, secure transactions. They'll have little icons like that to try to let you know that your card information is not going to get stolen because they have this security in place. And so it's like a thousand different variables like that that you just have to hammer at. And, you know, Trust factor. Okay, well, is my website secure? Yep, okay. Here's that icon that says that my website's secure, my store is secure, and that people's information is not going to get compromised. Great. Let me look at the other 999. And so you basically just have to go through all of those, and well, you have to define what they are because while – Business is not really different across the spectrum. There are some specific nuances of uh, of the type of business or the industry. And so you really want to make sure you define what those objections are and work through them. Now, when it comes to actually providing value, part of that is actually knowing what you're talking about. You have to know the information you're presenting forward and backward. You have to know it in your sleep. You have to know it like you know yourself. And unless you're on that level, it's going to be hard to really convey that value. And you're going to kind of come across as, you know, a snake oil salesman. Yeah. Now, you know, I love, you know, I love Rob. Um, he's the one that got me to write my book and he did a lot just to get that book out there. And, but he is so right when he talks about, a lot of times, just because somebody is in the military, you're going to get that text message. Hey, bro, I need help. Uh, can you help me? And then when you ask to get paid, they're like, but I'm a veteran, <laughs> you know? And you're like, yeah, yeah well, I still got to eat. So talk to us about, you know, that a lot of times, not everybody, because a lot of the people in the tribe are not like that. They'll help right. you out or success engineers. Or whatever it's called now, I forget. So guess, I guess Odyssey. Um, yeah, success Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but you know, talk to us about not being that hey bro guy or girl. 
Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, at the end of the day, it comes down to one thing, one focal point, integrity. And either you have it or you don't. There's no real way around that. If you don't have it, then you need to recognize that you don't have it and find a way to get to a point where you do have it. And quite frankly, integrity is a hard line to walk. That's the hardest road that you can ever walk throughout life, right? Um, you look at old old samurai movies and old old westerns and stuff like that, and you'll you'll hear people talk about how, you know, they have their honor intact. And that's the same thing that we need to be looking at because at the end of the day, your word is the only thing that you have, your words and your actions. And if those two things do not line up, then you have a problem. And to be fair, I, I freaking love being a veteran. I love it so much. But when I look back on my business ventures over the years and I look at how many times has a veteran versus a non-veteran supported me, I can calculate that I've been screwed over more times by veterans than civilians. I've only had one civilian client not pay me. I've had over 10 veterans not pay me. And... It's one of those things where, you know, you either adapt or you die. And so my way of adapting is to get paid up front. If I can get paid up front, then there's no way that I can't get paid, right? If I have a handshake deal that goes sideways, well, now I'm putting that on paper because I've been screwed over too many times. Um you know, I've had some some equity deals and projects that went sideways. You know, I put in a lot of work for equity in a company, and then that company goes nowhere. And so these experiences mold who we are. And as long as you're molding yourself not only forward but in a positive direction, then you should be fine. You like. I always believe in, believe in under promising and over delivering, you know, like, uh, like we know that, you, you know, you're going to be on my show and when this comes out next season, I'm going to push it out, but I'm going to start pushing stuff out from today on for the next year, because, you know, we're, we're, we're building relationships and I, I, I always want to over deliver. So I got three questions that I, that I ask business owners um, and we'll just, this way we can get, this is a teaching podcast also. So people can get us some some stuff they can take home with them. Definitely. And, and then we're gonna. I want you to um, tell us how we can get in touch with you, and this way we can actually get them to go to your website and actually hire you. So I want you to teach a little bit, but I also want you to be able to you know talk tell us how we can get in touch with you and do what you do. So if you had to start all over again, which you said you're on your seventh business, so you should be good at this, and you had no money with little money, how would you do it? If you had to start over with, again, with little to no money. To be fair, are we talking about my business specifically or just in general? In general, if somebody has, and they want to start, is it right now in the social business to start a business or is it harder? I would say it's both easier and harder. It's easier because we have better tools at our fingertips, but it's harder to stand out. So the things that I would focus on the most is definitely, definitely focus on your branding. Your branding has to be your core focus of everything that you do. So go out Spend the 10 bucks to buy building a story brand, read the book, apply the elements. For a business plan, go to fiveparagraph.com, buy the workbook, I think it's like 10 bucks, and work through the process. That program is phenomenal. From there, you want to look at what problem am I solving? 
and what's my solution? So from your marketing aspect, you want to look at how do I tell people and let them know that this is the problem they have and this is how I'm solving that problem. And that might be something that's easy and it might be something that's hard, right? Jumper cables. Everyone needs to have jumper cables because batteries die, right? But not everyone needs to have a silk sheet on their bed. So when you're looking at these things, the customer that you're trying to attract to purchase your product or service might not even know that they have a problem. They might just know something's wrong or they might not even know at all. They might be oblivious. And so it's on you to make them aware of the problem, make them aware of your solution. And then when it comes to actually that solution, there's a lot of things that go into it, but the most important factors are your process, your quality, and your internal communication, not only amongst your team, but also within with the customers as well. I love it. I love it. So what is the most important lesson you've learned while in business? Trust but verify. All right. Can you break it down a little bit? Break it down. Barney <laughs> yeah. Um, so people have a false sense of reality. Um, People think that their problem is X, but their problem is actually Y, right? You go to the doctor and you say, hey, doc, my shoulder hurts. You know, you think it's something that's in your shoulder. Turns out it's something that's in your, you know, your ankle. Who knows, right? These things happen, but you're addressing a symptom and it's the doctor's job to address the problem and the whole trust but verify concept has driven me into a doctor-like mentality where I diagnose the problem and I solve the problem and the problem that is there might not even be a problem that you recognize is there right a lot of people focus on symptoms and don't really focus on problems right they're like, oh, well, I'm not getting traffic to my website. Okay, well, what are you doing about that? Oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm posting on Facebook. And? Oh, well, that, well, that's it. I'm just I'm putting it out there on Facebook. Okay, well, you're not really doing that much. Right? And it could be that people on Facebook want to click on your link. They want to go buy something from you. But it turns out that your brand is inconsistent, and that's what's driving them away from you. So there's a lot of different factors that go into everything, not only the decisions we make, but how we interact with people. And a lot of times we as people tend to be more – willing to compromise or willing to accept what is oh what you know well I, I didn't get the traffic i needed today oh well no you can fix that uh so the entire trust but verify concept really comes from you know trusting that people know what they're talking about but verifying its accuracy all right so what top three pieces of advice would you give to someone just starting out in a business today if somebody started their business today, what would be their top three piece of advice that they could take? Okay. Um, understand that you're going to have to learn to read. You're going to have to read books, articles. You're going to have to do take courses. You're going to have to focus on your own personal development, in a, even in a professional capacity. That is a core requirement of being able to grow and get to that next level. Number two, 
because of your education and your development, you need to be able to vet people correctly. You need to be able to identify if your customer is going to be your customer. Are they the right fit for your business? You need to be able to identify vendors. Does this vendor align with my company? Are they going to be able to produce good quality, good products? Are they going to be able to do it on time? You're going to need to be able to decipher and wade through all the bullshit to get to the reality, the truth of what's really there. And number three, don't be afraid to ask for help. Now, help is a it's kind of a negative word in my industry. Uh, a lot of people ask for help expecting you to solve all their problems for free. But the reality is, is that you can get advice for free, but you shouldn't be getting a solution for free. So if you're asking for help and you should be asking for help, then make sure that you understand where that direction can go and make sure you're not asking uneducated questions. I can't tell you how many groups I've muted, how many groups I've left, how many groups I've stopped interacting with, period, because people ask the same questions because Google is here. Google has an answer to every question you could ever ask, period. You're not the first one to wonder, you know, how do I get more traffic on Facebook? You're not the first person to ask this question, you know, and it might take a little time to figure out the right verbiage to ask the question to get the right answer. But you're not unique in the sense that you're this isn't a brand new idea. So make sure that before you ask for help, you're also doing your own research because that's going to help you become more intelligent in the topic but it's also going to help you be able to ask the question correctly. I love it. Now, okay, now I do have a question. This one, and this is for me. Um, like I said, I'm just learning how to run a business the right way. And, you know, I'm building up my email list. What is the proper way to re- build an email list without being that? I don't like to curse on the show, but uh, I can because it's my show. Uh, you, we're, Fuck you it, dude. You know, you know, <laughs> You don't want to be that asshole that is always emailing people. So what is the best way? Is it once a month, once every two weeks? How do you not become that pain in the ass guy if you have an email list? Right. So it's going to depend on context, right? And context also comes with what are you actually presenting to people, right? So if the context of your business is to provide daily updates on X, Y, and Z, then a daily email is probably going to be best, right? If it's the intent is to provide weekly updates, then a weekly update. Um, For a newsletter, traditionally, once a month is sufficient. The reality, though, is that a single email once a month is not the best thing it can be. It's not the best option at the table, right? Because in email marketing, we also have the ability to create drip campaigns and nurture our audience. And what that means is you can create an email for Let's call it a welcome series, right? When people subscribe to your newsletter, you can create a welcome series of seven emails. And for the first seven days, send out an email a day that gives them great value. You educate them. You teach them something. You give them resources. You do all of that in the first seven days, right? And that is a type of nurturing campaign. But it's set up to drip, which means the content is staggered. And the way the, – the frequency at which you send out campaigns is going to be based off of your marketing, 
right? You know, so so for you, you have a podcast, right? And you know, what's the frequency at which you release episodes? Is that daily, weekly? It used to be uh, daily. Now it's weekly, once a week. Okay, so for you, you should definitely be sending out an email once a week. Hey, new episodes live. You can catch this episode here, here, and here. Listen to how this amazing person tells their story of X, promotes the ideology of Y, and solves the problem of Z, right? And so someone in your situation, you definitely want to send out weekly because your content is being updated weekly. So what would make you, if you, everybody, everybody's on my show, we put on the email list and I get on their email list. What would make you want to unsubscribe to people? For me personally? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I unsubscribe quite frequently from content I don't ask for. Right. You know, a lot of people, especially a lot of companies, SaaS companies, you know, other industry type companies, what they'll do is they'll add you to every list and they'll send you to every campaign that's ever been sent and they'll just start obliterating your inbox. So if I get an excessive number of emails, you're done. If I get, you know, if I sent you an, uh, a, to ask you a question about your software and I get three emails within 10 minutes about your marketing campaign, you're done, you know? So it's, some of it is about providing content that people ask for. And some of it's about also having that level of integrity to not just be a douche. I don't think, I don't think I'll have that problem because I'm not, (laughs) I try to be very cognizant of, of, of that. So how do yeah. we, you know, how do we find, I, how do we get in touch with you? How can we hire you? Definitely. So um, on social media, my handle is Carbon Digital US, and my website is carbondigital.us. Uh, you can reach out to me on on any of those platforms. And realistically, the first stage for me is just to get you on the calendar and discuss what the problems you're having are. And once we can figure out and diagnose what, what path we're going to take to solve those problems, then we'll start on something a little larger. So then, okay, also, how do we find your books out on Amazon? Yeah, so they're on Amazon. Um, that's the only place I've ever published anything. And if you just go to Amazon and search for my name, Jared Ledbetter, uh, you'll find me out there. And I'll also get you a link as well. Thank you. And like I said, I'm going to put it in the liner notes. This won't go out until next season, but... I just want to say, brother, I'm, I'm so grateful for your friendship over the years because now I think it's been three or four years that we've been friends. And yeah, we've been we've been playing this uh, this podcast tag yeah. game, trying to get together for a while now. And you're always providing value, especially in the tribe and also in uh, success. So I just want to say thank you for your friendship, and I truly appreciate you, brother. Thank you. I appreciate your friendship as well. All right, brother. Have an amazing week, and I can't wait to see what you got coming up next because you're never boring. That's one thing you are is never boring. You know, if one of the things that I like about myself the most is that I'm just me and that I like to laugh a lot. And so I try to combine those two, and either it blows up in my face or it comes out epically. Oh, and, and most of the time, it's epically. All right, brother. Have, <laughs> have an amazing week. Thank you. You too. Thanks for having me on. Oh, it's my pleasure. All right. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Hey, guys. If you're enjoying our show, if you love what we're doing, if you would like to support us, we have a whole bunch of great stuff coming out. We have a brand new T-shirt line that's coming out. Hats, coffee mugs, any kind of swag that lets your friends know that you support vertical momentum and you're always looking to get better also we have our new coffee brand coming out it's called vertical momentum coffee it's ass kicking coffee and and it will it will get you moving in the morning so guys if you're interested go to www 
www.richardkaufman.net. Check us out. Leave us a note. Tell us what you'd like, and we'll actually send it to you. The new website is being built. So if you guys want to, our book is out there on Amazon. It's called A Hero's Journey from Darkness to Light. Definitely check it out. It talks about my story, but it also talks about how to survive depression, how to survive addiction. All right, guys, I love you. Thank you so much for always supporting our mission, which is to save lives. Thank you for joining us today. Please hit subscribe and share. Please feel free to leave us a comment.